is Ukraine slowly, gradually starting to return to offensive operations or at least counterattacks? And what does it mean about Russia's offensive? I'm Paul, U.S. Army combat veteran. It's February 13th, 2023. This is your daily Ukraine update. Let's get into it. Okay, first, as always, we'll check the control map. You can see there are some minor differences here. A small change reflecting uh, refining or refined boundaries around uh, Periskolivka. Uh, you can see it has Russia, as we talked about, uh, pushing up to but not beyond this highway here. This is, of course, uh, pretty likely to be a natural barrier that I think uh, Ukrainian forces may try to use as a defense. Um, you can also, what's interesting, there's also, of course, some level of refinement to the front lines. Uh, but what's most interesting is that uh, Russian forces were filmed in this town of Lobgove. Uh, when we zoom out, you can see this is bizarre simply because this is not really a, a, a big part of the front lines. This is not somewhere we've seen a lot of offensive action. Um, I think it may be a case where both sides have uh, put such um, little resources into this area that it doesn't take much but a little bit, but a particularly effective squad attack or just a surprise uh, move to push us, this the limited Ukrainian defenders back a bit from this town. So that's all it could be. Um, of course, when we zoom out, you guys can see that there's not really a ton of additional changes to the front lines, small refinements in some low value open areas. Um, but when we look over at the combat map, uh, you guys can see here that the Russian offensive effort uh, is somewhat continuing. You can see here um, there's some reports of offensive actions here in Zaporizhia. Again, noteworthy because it's not where this territory changed hands, uh, but it's also not Volodar, where Russian forces have pretty notoriously been pushing hard to little battlefield effect. Um, you can see instead there's an attack up here near Davorichna, which, as we talked about, seems to me to be a fairly likely um, av axis of advance uh, for Russian forces in their big offensive to get across the Oskil uh, without having to expose themselves too much. Uh, you can see here, of course, they push in along this Kremina Lyman axis, uh, Bilohorivka, Right, a very standard stuff. Um, Viminka, right? They're trying to maybe push in along this railroad and river uh, again, pushing up towards Sevirsk. Just more Russian, slow going, really lack, really limited economy of force. Uh, Russian efforts, right? In Bakhmut, Ivansky. This is. Just what shocks me again is the predictability of this offensive effort, um, the dispersion of it, and the fact that it's still not clear if Russia has a big offensive push um, in mind. Again, this may all be some sort of preparatory or fixing phase. There may be some sort of plan to um, identify weaker parts in Ukrainian lines and then let their big offensive push into it. But I don't think that's the case. And here is why. 
Uh, when we go over to War Mapper, all right, he reports, of course, the general situation in Ukraine, no notable changes since the last update. But in Bakhmut specifically, you can see for the first time in several weeks, um, Ukrainian forces have actually engaged in a counterattack, regaining parts of the residential northeast portion of Bakhmut. And this itself is not that significant. This is something that we've seen routinely during the Battle of Bakhmut, right? Russian forces advance, and then before they can uh, establish secure defensive positions, Ukrainian forces counterattack and push them out. But what's notable is that in the probably two to three weeks leading up to this big Russian offensive, we've seen Ukraine stop almost all counterattacks. Uh, instead, they've been trading space for time religiously. Um, almost, almost nowhere in the front can I think of any instance in which Ukraine has actually counterattacked and reversed Russian gains before this. And I don't think that's an accident. I think Ukraine deliberately um, pulled many forces off of its front lines. It deliberately took made choices, if that even if that meant giving up territory to Russian forces um, in exchange for reducing their casualty burn rate. Um, I think by doing that, they wanted to make sure they had the maximum combat power ready to blunt Russian offensive efforts. And... Maybe, possibly, the fact that now Ukrainian forces are at least allowed to, on a limited basis, engage in counterattacks says that Ukraine is now confident that it's, it has blunted or that it can blunt the big Russian offensive push, right? That it doesn't need, that it says, okay, the, Rus the big bad Russian offensive um, is, is, is here it's arrived. Ukrainian forces are holding. We do not need this, like, uh, we do not need to conserve our combat power so very much. Um, now, obviously, like we pointed out, there are still Russian advances on other fronts. Um, but I hypothesize that Ukraine may have some level of intelligence that says, hey, the big Russian offensive drive um, has arrived and that they are now confident that their Ukrainian armed forces are able to uh, blunt it or combat it, that it's not going to be a, a, a line-breaking, decisive operation. And so with that confidence, they've probably, possibly reauthorized their forces to engage in some level of uh, tactical counterattack. Uh Certainly, when we look at some of the stories, you can see that according to the UK Ministry of Defense, Russia is likely suffering the highest casualty rate since the first week of the war. Uh, this is interesting for a couple of reasons. Let's see if we can find a uh, link to some of the actual data that they have provided. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Okay, Russian soldiers dying in greater numbers in Ukraine this month, February, since the first week of the invasion, according to Ukrainian-provided data. Um, but the UK's Ministry of Defense is highlighting it, so they probably, at least the UK MOD, which the UK has a very, very, very good intelligence apparatus. You don't become an island nation uh, empire in the 20th century without really knowing how to know things. Uh, so yeah, the UK continually is, has 
a very impressive uh, record of intelligence. So the fact that they are t rolling these numbers out, probably indicative that they that at least a second intelligence agency believes they're relatively accurate. Uh, 842 Russian soldiers KIA per day in February. So you can almost reliably um, double it to get the number of WIA, usually more like triple. Um, again, Russia seems to have a, a, a more... In NATO countries have a pretty robust system of ensuring um, that any injury that would be fatal if left untreated is treated quickly. That's what medevacs and casavacs are for. Uh, caches and 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 the whole there's a there's an entire system dedicated to getting uh, seriously wounded troops from the battlefield all the way to the most advanced level of care that medicine can get them. Uh, in, in Afghanistan, that stretched from the battlefield all the way back to Grafenvir in Germany um, and ultimately back to Walter Reed in Maryland. But uh, Russia doesn't seem to have that same level of robustness, so it's possible that some of these include uh, soldiers who would, would be saved were they had they taken those injuries in a NATO force, right? So, is it two to one? Is it three to one? But you you can get the implication, uh, which of course means that in a typical week you're looking at around what five thousand KIA, so another ten thousand WIA, and out of the fight at least fifteen thousand a week. That is a massive, massive burn rate. Um, yeah, UK says the trends are likely accurate. Uh, right. Last week, the outgoing defense minister uh, said they were anticipating a Russian offensive around 24 February. Um, but some local politicians are arguing that the offensive has already begun. Uh, certainly, some of the fighting is as fierce as it's ever been. Um, and this is, of course, just... Yeah, this is a huge, a huge loss rate. Um, and it's reflective of the fact that it's not clear that Russia can step up its offensive efforts more, right? There's an upward limit to how much uh, an armed force can uh, burn its personnel, especially because every one of those soldiers that goes down, I'm trying to use non-demonetized words uh every one of those soldiers that goes down is going to um lose their equipment it's going to you also represents all the training that they had it represents potentially non-commissioned officers or more experienced troops um so a lot of uh a lot of uh, the loss is more than just randomly mobilized conscripts anyway guys that is all i had for you guys of course if you want to help support the channel um, and get access to all of the viral combat videos, uh, I break down, you know the ones I'm talking about, the viral, uh, for example, one of the Russian tanks in Volodar. Uh, I did the iconic viral video of the uh, Ukrainian forces getting caught in the bunker. Uh, all those breakdowns are on the Patreon. Um, and, and the nice thing is it's a way to support the channel that uh, that doesn't involve uh, YouTube as a middleman who is sometimes kind of arbitrary in whether they demonetize. So thanks so much to my lieutenant and colonel tier patrons, especially our lone colonel tier patron, Thomas McLeod. Um, 
Thanks so much. And I will see you guys in the next one.